Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to The Less Stressed Life, where we help women and families overcome fatigue, food sensitivities, and inflammation. And the goal here is really to help you heal yourself. If you find this show or episode helpful, please repay the favor and share it with a friend or leave me a review in the Purple Podcast app if that's where you listen. You can also go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. So today I'm jumping into a few listener questions that were submitted on Instagram this week. So Mary is wondering about parasites and she's trying to put together the pieces of some other symptoms. I wish Mary was here, but she asked, do you address parasites with all your testing? So I, nothing is ever a short question to me and I want to talk a little bit about parasites. First things first, I'd love for you to Google, I ask my clients to do this all the time, Google CDC pinworm epidemiology. Epidemiology is this essentially statistics. Uh, so you can look up, but that's usually what's going to be used on a clinical site or a clinical setting is epidemiology. So you search CDC pinworm prevalence if you want. And what will pop up, and I usually like you to you to find out the answer on your own, but what will pop up is that the prevalence, the CDC says that the prevalence in the United States is 50% for those under 18 and for those that work with children or work in institutions. So that's schools, daycares, hospitals, anything where there's lots of people. It's those pinworms are the size of like a fingernail clipping and they are easily transferred by putting hands in the mouth. And so very easy to spread. And so especially for nail chewers, nail biters, you got to watch that. So the testing that I use, I use, I always hesitate to talk about testing because I think people go and then they order something and then they think it's going to solve their problem. And it's usually not going to without a proper intervention and also looking at symptoms. But testing for parasites is not super sensitive or super amazing or super, um, you can have parasites without positive testing. So let's kind of break this down by conventional and functional testing. If you go to the conventional doctor and you have a positive parasite test, you have a serious problem because usually that's going to show up if you have a raging serious infection at this moment. And I have had people come to me who say, yeah, I tested positive after I got back from XYZ trip and this is what they gave me. And we talked through that. So when I do a GI map, which is the test I prefer to use in practice after testing different tests, that test does have some 
evidence or it does show results for protozoa and it does have worms. I've only had two clients in many, many years of history present with worms on that test. The clinicians that actually work there think that maybe it's not sensitive enough. I go a little bit by symptoms also. So I want to mention symptoms that can, they are not always parasites, uh, fingernail biting, where we just talked about why that would be related because there's like a, a contamination. And so you get things underneath the nails and then they end up in your overall GI tract. Uh, restless sleep or sleep issues, especially cyclical during just certain parts of the month, like the full moon, itchy anus, uh, night sweats that are not related to hormones or menopause, sleeping with your pets can be a potential cause, bedwetting, serious emotional outbursts, um, restless, we talked about restless sleep, but also like intermittent diarrhea constipation. The rest are just general um, gut issues. So I look for those big red flag ones. So big, huge mood swings, especially uh, certain times of the month, itchy, itchy behinds, uh, especially certain times of the month, really poor sleep, um, especially certain times of the month. So again, some of these can overlap, but those are the ones that kind of really stick out. So Mary also said that her symptoms included moodiness, poor sleep, loose bowels every other year. She said every other year for the least six months. I think she meant every other month for the last six months, hair thinning, dry skin, and post-nasal drip often. So these can actually point to many different things, depending on Mary's age, her history, et cetera. So if she had given me more information, I could do a little bit more with it. I would say with hair thinning, dry skin, sometimes that could be something to do with thyroid. It would depend on the age. Did she have COVID this year? Could it be some essential fatty acids? In general, I'm going to go ahead and just check out what's going on in the gut. And then I'm going to take a really holistic approach to correcting imbalances in the gut, whether it's parasites or fungus or bacteria or other imbalances that are impacting how you digest and absorb nutrients. Because if you don't absorb nutrients like amino acids, your neurotransmitters aren't going to fire regardless. So uh, if you don't have good gut health, you're not going to make serotonin, which is a precursor to melatonin. So you're going to have poor sleep. If you don't have good gut health, you're going to have potentially loose bowels you know, intermittently over time. So, and that can also, those nutrient deficiencies could also potentially lead to hair thinning. Some causes of hair loss would be thyroid, COVID, fungal infection topically. Those are some of the big ones I see. Dry skin, that can be from thyroid. It can be from, again, nutrient deficiencies. It can be, and so those nutrient deficiencies may relate to how well a system like the liver or something can operate and help um, so the liver is going to really predict how bile is made and how you're going to digest fats. And those fats are part of every layer of every cell. And so if you don't have good fat absorption, you're not going to absorb a ton of nutrients that are going to contribute to dry skin. And then her last symptom that she mentioned was post-nasal drip often. So post-nasal drip often, that can be general gut health stuff. It can be fungus and bacteria stuck in the sinuses, can be something a little more serious. But I find when I'm holistically treating gut health and addressing all of those imbalances that that usually cracks. So I hope that helps Mary. All right. So the next questions come from Jordan and Jordan submitted a little bit. She had a lot of a lot of information here. So let me do my best to talk through this verbally so it is not too confusing. And I also want to mention, and I think it's a good time to mention some frameworks that I would use when I look at someone's case in general. So if you've been around for a while, you may have heard me talk about the healing triad. This is just something I kind of made up. <laughs> uh, so 
but it's totally relevant. So imagine a triangle. You can look at any symptom or issue through this lens of having an emotional angle, a structural angle, or an external angle, and then a nutritional or internal angle. And Jordan is going to, in her questions, it includes some gut questions, but it also includes some skin and eczema questions. So let me give you the version of the triad from eczema. So from the emotional stress and lifestyle, underneath that corner is going to include... And this all affects skin health, stress, sleep, mindset, movement, habits, relationships. On the other corner, and the thing about that's tricky with skin is that it's double the work. It's external and it's internal. You have an external barrier and then you've got an internal barrier. And if there's a lot of infection or breakdown of the barrier topically, it can be hard to heal very quickly internally. So sometimes we have to be addressing the topical as much or more in the beginning as the internal. The problem or the shortcoming with eczema and skin issues is we often think it's only topical, but skin grows from the inside out. So the external or structural interventions for skin, for example, can be creams, oils, baths, medications, and reducing toxic exposure and load. Now, if this was something else like I have back pain or emotions, it might be physical adjustments, biomechanics, chiropractic, physical therapy, ergonomics that you're doing, footwear, all types of things that make a difference in that corner. So that's the external or structural corner. And then finally is my corner where I hang out, which is the internal or nutritional. So that can look like food, beverages, supplements, medications, balancing the microbiome, filling in the nutrients that are lost from the stress, fixing the digestion, nourishing all those systems and organs, the adrenals, the metabolism, the hormones, the thyroid, the drainage, elimination, liver, and gut. So that's all the stuff that's kind of in my corner that I look at, but sometimes I talk about those other corners. So I hope that that's helpful as we kind of go into Jordan's questions. So let's talk about Jordan's case first. Now that we've set up this stage, let's talk about Jordan's case. And then we'll get into the question of, do you have specific probiotics you recommend? It just depends on the type, but I do have some recommendations for her. Can you get away from relying on long-term supplement use for, for bowel issues? So let's go through her case history. She started having flares, skin hairs. She's got this history of eczema throughout her whole life, but only on her arms and legs. She's had it since she was a child. And it presented, she does a good job of giving me history, which is why we're using her case story. She It presented as red itchy bumps on the legs and back and as flaky and itchy red patches in the creases of her elbows, mostly during the summer. So I can already tell you that if Jordan would take my eczema type quiz, this is something I was doing in calls when I would talk to people about their case. She's a very classical story where it was first gut mediated, where in children, it's usually going to show up red spotted inside the um, creases of your elbows and behind your knees and look red and spotted. If you have darker melanated skin, it may appear darker. So the dermatologist Oh, she had an increasing flare starting the summer of 2020. And remember, like, I don't know what happened in Jordan's life, but in most people's lives, there was a lot of stressors and different things going on at that time. There may have been something else in the history as well. But in summer of 2020, she started having more itchy bumps and red patches covering most of her body. Her eczema was becoming more systemic. She developed a new type of severe eczema on her face, neck, hairline that had never occurred before. Totally, I totally have a lot of empathy because that happened to me several years ago. Before that, she never had any eczema on her face. True that, sister. The flares got increasingly worse over the next six months. Totally understand. Dermatologists gave her a 10-day taper of oral prednisone and topical steroids to help heal the eczema. Heal would be really in the quotes there. This is a uh, this is suppressing 
the exacerbation on the skin, which is not right, right or wrong. It's she's probably miserable. She needed it. Um, something I would something I'd like to see more often is topical culturing of staff, and for us to address the topical staff uh, at the same time. Otherwise, you go off the steroids, and sometimes it pops right back. So just kind of adding commentary as I go for Jordan's case. She also then started on Dupixent, which is a kind of an expensive injection. Once you are past steroids, it's like expensive biologics injections every other week. And then she, so this was January of 2021 and she stopped those injections in February, 2022. So 13 months later, after stopping the injection, she had a bit of eczema on her body, only small itchy bumps, nothing on her face, but her face had another severe flare in July and August, 2022 requiring topical steroids to heal again. The way she's describing heal is a bit of a misnomer. I will say she is simply suppressing. Um, she's actually just suppressing the immune system in general here to try to clear the skin. And it's understandable because when you're desperate, you're desperate. That's how we are. We're just humans. No problem. So additionally, so here's where she is bringing in that she does see the other potential pieces that I, I love when someone's got a skin issue, but they've also got some clear gut stuff. That way I don't have to tell them that it's related to what's going on in their gut. So she says, additionally, I only have three to four bowel movements per week and she doesn't use any stool softeners and laxative, which is not exactly true um, because she said I think she said earlier, and again, I'm not talking to her. I wish I was right now, but she's on magnesium citrate and some motility support every night. So she actually is on some things that support motility. So the, I guess she's right. They're not stool softeners and laxative, but she is stimulating her bowel movements, which is reasonable because you need to have bowel movements in general. It's important. It's phase three detoxification. It's, you know, if you aren't getting the trash out, it's going to show up on your skin. Of course, she's feeling tired in the afternoon. She's carrying around a bunch of trash for sure. She has trouble getting out of the bed in the morning. So she just generally has fatigue. So that could be related to the overburden in general in her body. There's definitely gut issues. There's definitely ability for elimination. Like she's got issues with her ability to eliminate and take out the trash. And if you just had, if you were carrying around like half of the trash, because that's what's happening. She's only having bowel movements 50% of the time ish. So she's carrying around half of the trash for the week. Of course, you're going to be exhausted. So now she is having new issues of waking up in the middle of the night and cramping, muscle cramping. No shocker here. If you struggle with gut and elimination issues, it is normal to wake up between 12 and 4 a.m. And muscle cramping is not 100% certain, but it can often be related to magnesium issues, which is funny because she's taking magnesium. She's not taking a very absorbable type. And if your stress is high, you're dumping magnesium faster than you could possibly replete it. So she saw a functional MD who did blood work, blood work and a vibrant wellness gut zoomer stool test. And that stool test is not, is not too bad. I don't love it, but it's not bad. The stool test, um, came back and, and showed that she had intestinal permeability or leaky gut. She had some moderate small intestinal bacteria overgrowth and other categories, she said. Um, the thing I don't like about that test is that they make some really clear, It's they're trying to make it easy for everyone to read, but it's really horrifying <laughs> because under next to the bacteria, it'll say like, this is related to cardiovascular disease. And like, it just doesn't, Anything that induces more stress for people is usually like not the best thing if it's not necessary. So because she saw a functional MD, sometimes the MDs will give, will kind of treat from their conventional toolbox a little bit. Like they'll use a functional test, but then they will sometimes treat with um, just what they know. 
So this MD gave her a SIBO diet and a regimen. Sometimes people go on a medication for SIBO. To me, there's a lot of topics built up in here, but my opinion is that when we treat AKA for SIBO, and you can use the word SIBO interchangeably with large intestinal dysbiosis, we're missing upstream and downstream in the GI tract. And so people sometimes have relapse issues. I think not addressing the downward stream effects on stress and minerals can lead to relapse. Um, Actually, I think that's a huge problem. The other stool test findings included that she was spilling fats in her stool. So she, again, liver, not working, liver gallbladder function, not working well, not shocking at all. Low secretory IgA or low immune cells in the gut, also not shocking and surprising. This is suppressed by stress and gut pathogens. High antigliadin, that is a marker that tells you if you are having a reaction to gluten. Low short-chain fatty acids, those are what should be created in the gut if you had a healthy microbiota, et cetera. So none of that is shocking. Lots of opportunity for improvement. Now, did were all of those things addressed? Can't say if I hadn't seen this, the protocol and how long she did it. So that's a tricky thing about someone coming in that's seen someone else. And I'm happy to go over this here in a context where hopefully it's helpful for everyone. But sometimes you go in and you don't get a, like, you don't finish the job, not you, not your provider. Like somehow the job doesn't get finished. There's no blame here, but somehow the job doesn't get finished. We don't do things um, quite long enough. I can tell already that the MD gave her a regimen for 30 days. That certainly wouldn't be long enough to correct all of these different things. Now you can be efficient. You can get things done in two to three to four months. But if the whole plan was 30 days only, and that was the only follow-up, then no, (laughs) that's not gonna, that's, that's not enough for everything that was wrong here. We have broken immune system. We're not processing fats well. We're not processing fibers well. That's why we have low short-chain fatty acids, which is what helps your body heal itself. So lots to, there's so much I can pull from this. Um, Some other labs that she had done was that she had her omega-3s checked and that was low. So omegas get used up in inflammation. And if your omegas are going to be low, you're going to have dry skin and you're not going to, this goes back to like fat digestion. So one is intake and second is fat digestion. So intake is a big thing though, too, because most, the really only sources of omega-3 fatty acids are essentially from fish and algae. So if you're not eating those, you wouldn't really have enough omegas, omega-3s anyway. Her liver enzymes were high. Now I will tell you that things are really a mess if your liver enzymes are high. Your liver enzymes don't have to be high for you to support your, your organs. And what else? She had a trending low vitamin D. Functionally, we went that vitamin D around 50. Conventionally, we went around 30. Hers came in around 33. So I would look at multiple things, honestly, with that. Like vitamin D is a bit of a, a bit of a tangent for me these days, but I wouldn't probably be supplementing individual vitamin D on that, or at least long-term. I, I wouldn't, I, would, I think there's a lot of other fish to fry in this case that are much more important, but I will tell you that Jordan is partially exhausted because her B12 is 246. I do want to harp on this for a moment. The reference range for B12 has continually dropped as I've been in practice. It used to be like three, 350 up to 11, 1200. Now it's like two-ish, 250 to maybe 900. Reference ranges are made and adjusted based on like essentially the most, like a sample size of the population that's recently tested. And we don't have a very healthy population. So we're basically judging our reference ranges on a sub 
optimal population in the first place. So it's not a healthy population to be. If this, if I, if, the, if Jordan was my client and I saw this B12, I'd be giving her B12. And then I'd also have a, be having a discussion about what caused low B12 because I don't work in elementary school. And so I don't believe that like when you have low B12, you just give B12 perpetually and like, congratulations, she will have improved energy from taking the right kind of B12, but we want to get to the root cause of the B12, which is gut issues. So all right. What else do we want to know? She also had a whole bunch of hormone labs tested, which I think was fine, but not totally necessary at this stage. Um, her sex hormones anyway, that's just my personal preference. I kind of want to focus on what makes the most sense, but everyone's kind of got a little different way to do their thing. Um, but all of those tests were normal. I'm scanning through them. I won't read them to you. Her current supplements are magnesium citrate, a non-absorbable type of magnesium that helps you move your bowels. And it's better to move your bowels than not to move your bowels. So carry on if that's what you want to do. I would, I would say like the fact that she's on this and a motility, um, a migrating motor complex supplement and a product called Antrantil, which helps with bloating, kind of like eats up, um, some, some gas and bloating, essentially this it's a, it's like a, it's, uh, is it a, uh, I I've had lots of it in the past. I don't really use it in practice anymore. I think it's a tree. It's anyway, some kind of, it doesn't even matter, but this is a combination of, I can't poop yet. And so her gut issues never got resolved in the first place with her first protocol. So this, what I see, I, I look at case reviews a lot. This is like a new common normal for me. I'm coming in, looking at other people, what they did, and then figuring out where the gaps are of why this person didn't get better. So Jordan, your gut, I, far as I can tell, your gut stuff is not corrected yet. I don't see where you supported your elimination to detoxification whatsoever with what you've been on um, personally. And then Jordan had specific questions about specific probiotics. How do you get away from relying on long-term supplementation for regular bowel movement? So I want to address this one first because it's the most similar to what we were just talking about. So she was currently taking 450 milligrams of mag each night, which is a decent, like a, a bit of a higher dose, uh, fine, but a bit of a higher end dose on Trantil and Motility Pro. So you correct your gut imbalances. That is not clear. That I know you think you did that, but it's obviously not corrected here from what I can tell. Um, gut imbalances, and you also got to look at the stress chemistry. I, I look at mineral repletion, et cetera. So all those things can play a role in regular bowel movements, um, all of the things. And then what's my experience with using a low FODMAP or SIBO diet for healing your gut? Or have you seen these to be successful in the long term with people to add most foods back in? Thanks for asking this question. I don't really care for this approach at all. It reduces the food for the bacteria. So it makes it look like you feel better in the short term. So that's not right or wrong, but I wouldn't do this for more than two weeks. And if you aren't being able to add things back in, you didn't really, your protocol just wasn't effective and you didn't do like, it's just, you're not done. Like there's clearly still problems here. Probiotics I use since you've got skin issues, there are a couple out there on the market that may or may not, I don't think they're going to cure anything in your case, but um, Skinessa is a probiotic that is taking strains specifically for that were shown in research to help with skin issues. I find it's been more useful for psoriasis than eczema in practice. Um, so just throw that out there. Microbiome Labs came out with a with a skin supplement. I really, I mean, you get so few for the cost. I don't, I don't really see the advantage. They've come up with like so many products lately. Their product line's getting a little diluted to me. 
And I, I haven't found that particular product to be really life-changing yet, um, but I will say I use spores. They are not killed by the things that we're using, like in our other protocols. And I'm not always using probiotics throughout an entire plan. I use them maybe at the end to fill in gaps and repopulate. But Jordan, I hope that helps. And to the rest of the listeners, guess what? You can submit your case for review if you're having this struggle or you want to share. And Jordan did it. I'm starting with her. She did a great job giving me enough information to be helpful. So I hope that I was helpful for Jordan. You can submit questions and even a case review like Jordan, you just type it all out at kristabigler.com forward slash questions, questions, forward slash questions. And as I see, that's an easy place for me to compile all those. uh, So I'm not kind of running all over getting them and then I can record them hopefully on a weekly basis and send them out to you. Have a great week and I will talk to you next time. Access to functional or specialized medicine testing and standard blood work is a big piece of personalizing care plans to help our clients succeed. But getting accounts with multiple labs and ordering and tracking results from many different web portals slows efficiency by bogging us down in admin work. This is why I'm completely obsessed with our podcast sponsor, Rupa Health. It's a single portal that allows you to order from over 20 specialty labs in one incredibly simple dashboard. I'm talking less than 30 seconds to set up your free account and about 30 seconds to order the labs you need. All the results are in one place and I can securely send clients their results with a click of a button. A big advantage for our clients is that standard blood work can be ordered for almost two-thirds less than other direct-to-consumer lab sites. Rupa is a lab concierge, so they send the lab invoices on your behalf if a client pays for their own labs, they help them get set up with a lab draw, navigate testing questions, and they provide the requisition forms. It's literally a dream. Go sign up for free to help streamline your practice and simplify ordering labs for your clients at rupahealth.com. That's R-U-P-A health.com. And let them know I sent you when you sign up.